survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I am your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. We're kicking off our podcast series featuring 19 stories and perspectives on how COVID-19 has created an imperative for change and what leaders and organizations are doing to respond to that change. I'm thrilled today to talk to our guest, Trish Trezo. Trish is presently the CEO of Triple Hill Consulting, advising for a number of CEOs, but she's also the founder of and CEO of Ascentia. Ascentia is a career coaching and corporate advisory practice that focuses on empowering women to thrive. As they achieve their career goals, they also are helping companies realize their performance objectives with a gender-diverse workforce. Trish has a very impressive background, and she's been a great mentor of mine for many years. She has had extensive experience coaching executives in companies and has held executive roles in companies such as Hologic, where she was the CIO, as well as Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, Charles River Laboratories, and National Grid, to name a few. Trish is an expert in helping organizations not only survive, but thrive when change is needed. Often, she is approached to help organizations that need to address a pivot with their technologies and processes in order to accelerate business results. I will let Trish say a little more about herself, but recently I was honored to join Trish's efforts with her project and Ascentia. I want to focus our conversation on how COVID-19 has created an imperative for change for companies to proactively elevate women in the workplace and for women to take this chance now to pivot and thrive in their careers. So with that, Trish will tell us a little bit more about herself and her background. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks for having me. And thanks for that amazing introduction. I'm honored to be uh, on your podcast. You know, you summed it up well across my career in, you know, working with companies and helping them make that pivot. One of the most rewarding parts about that has always been working with women and helping them figure out what's their next move. And, and then how to get there. I couldn't be happier to be at this point in my career where I can focus on that is a big part of what I do. I want to take a step back briefly and examine what life was like over a year ago before the pandemic hit. What was Trish doing before the pandemic and what was her experience once it hit? That's, that's a great question. And I know everybody would agree it's easy to remember what was happening as chaotic as it was. Like many other people, you kind of heard things, something was coming and then it's right there and the world is shutting down. For me at that time, I was a CIO at Hologic. And what that meant for us was some extraordinarily rapid decision-making and actions to get an entire company productive while remote. And that needed to happen in hours, not days or weeks. And so I had an extraordinary team um, that was able to lead those efforts. And as many could remember, you know, as a technologist, there's lots you can do by way of innovation and driving a business forward. But 
at times like that, you have to get it, bring it back to the basics and make sure that the pipes and wires that, that that's required for people to just do the basic job are in place and making that, making that pivot immediately was our top priority. While Trish is quite used to navigating change, COVID-19 was certainly a different sort of change in that it was global and it was quick. As she said, things needed to be implemented within hours at a rate that was so high few of us had ever seen it before. That's when, you know, an attitude of everybody, roll up your sleeves and get dirty, (laughs) comes into play. You're going from your normal business operations where you've got certain structures and protocol and who does what well-defined. And, you know, when you get in, in that kind of a situation, that's all blown up and you've got you've to think differently and most importantly, behave and execute differently to kind of make that, that immediate change. I would say that was key in, in that respect. The change Trish experienced wasn't just on a company level, but also on a personal level. Trish ended up leaving Hologic to found her own consulting company, Triple Hill Consulting, as well as her career coaching and corporate advisory service with Ascentia. It's interesting when there's such a shift out there, it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of think about things maybe more broadly, take a pause, right? We were all busy rolling along, doing what we were doing, whether we're out there transforming companies or or whatever, whatever it was pre-COVID, you know, then the pandemic hit global shutdowns, changing the way we're operating, accelerating some things, stopping altogether other things. And from a personal perspective, I was able to take a look at what I'd been doing. And I actually had time to reflect and think about what I've loved most about what I've done in the past. And as I said at the start, that reflection, for me, things came to light of what I've loved most about what I've done in the past. And and that surely was from a consulting side or called IT business side, partnering with companies to make those big, bold moves and getting positioned for the future was one thing that I love. And then the other thing, of course, was working with women and helping them, in some cases, figure out where they want to go and then putting the plan together that would help them get there. I decided to start, you know, follow my passion and start both of these companies with Triple Hill Consulting is that everyday IT management consulting, also business process, that broader look across. And that's kind of, we'll call it what you would expect. What a lot of people didn't expect me to do, and I'm glad I did it, was launch Ascentia, which is extraordinarily rewarding in so many regards because there's a a win-win to be had out there. And it, it just seems like the moment is now for that to happen. Jen, what I mean by win-win is we've got acknowledgement by research and companies that the greater gender diversity you have at all levels in your company, you simply outperform other companies. And tons of papers, articles, we could talk about some of those. And on the other side, women have been disproportionately impacted by the effects of this global pandemic. The numbers out there suggest that four out of five people who left the workforce through this pandemic have been women. 
And if you multiply that times, you know, do the math, there's been millions, several million women who've left the workforce because of having to make decisions of family first, in many cases, um, and doing what was right for their family. But we're poised in now a win-win. Companies with this high acknowledgement for what, what that diversity does for a company. And then women now, as we're exiting this pandemic, looking to find that next step, that next place. It's a, a really interesting point in time today. Definitely is. And I remember just reading the other day in a report, according to Prudential's latest Pulse of the American Worker Survey conducted by Morning Consult, it mentions that one in four workers plan to look for a job at a different company once the pandemic subsides. And one other interesting point in that is that what they discovered that men are one and a half times more optimistic than women about their financial well-being in the future and over 1%, 1.2 times, sorry, more optimistic than women about their professional careers. So with data confirming what personal experience has taught us, that diversity in the workplace only benefits a company, what has Trish done with Ascentia to help promote and address this? Trish felt so compelled to found Ascentia after hearing about and understanding some of the alarming statistics about women in the workplace. She decided to help change those numbers and to start doing that now, during one of the most chaotic times in history. Maybe just grounding ourselves here, Ascentia, you know, the mission was born from some other figures that are equally upsetting and concerning. You know, when I started my career quite a long time ago, it seems I was told as I was entering my career, I remember hearing when parity would be reached, when women would earn the same as their male counterparts doing the same job. And back then, almost 30 years ago, the the forecast was somewhere 100 years from then. And here I am on the other side of my career and moving into my chapter three. And the number is the same or worse, depending on which article you read and which labor stats you look at and, all, you know, everything else and how math is being done. The best case scenario right now is it's 100 years from now, parity. And in the worst case, when you look at the range and the articles, up to is 257 years from now. To me, that, that was one of the reasons I started Ascentia. It's almost unbelievable to think that that's the case. And then usually people wonder, well, then why? Why are we in the situation? And there are a number of contributing factors and that's where Ascentia wants to dive in and spend all of our effort and energy in helping change that as one of the things. What led me to that was some of the now the optimism, some of these these reports that you're seeing about who's optimistic about their financial future. And then you get into and why, why those differences. And Ascentia wants to partner with women to change all of that, to change 
how they're thinking about managing their career, which will change some of the other numbers that you're talking about. They'll change the real numbers in terms of how women can rise through their careers and rise without compromise. There does not have to be a trade-off like, gosh, if I want to go after that director position or that VP position, or if I want to continue to rise to the C-suite, I've got to give things up in my life. You know, the fact is you don't. And helping women see that, acknowledge that will change other things in terms of the optimism of what that future can be for them. And then not only the optimism, but then really what's actually realized for them. Mm, that's great. And, you know, thanks for sharing with our audience a little bit of the drivers for why you thought that this was a right time. It even sounds like this has been something that's been percolating perhaps on your mind pre-pandemic as a mission to tackle. And what a what a grand mission indeed. I want to take a moment to acknowledge that COVID-19 has not only disproportionately affected women, but women of color in particular. Not only were Black and Hispanic women's overall employment impacted greatly, but it has also been slower to recover. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment levels for Black women were 9.7% lower by March of this year than they were pre-pandemic. The employment levels for Hispanic or Latino women were 8.6% lower. This is compared to 5.4% lower employment levels for white women. With so much upheaval in the past year, companies have found themselves scrambling to reorganize and restructure. In this reprioritization, why should companies focus on diversity and how has COVID enhanced this? I put a blog out on our website called This Is Your Moment. I guess we could think of it as our moment, our global moment to make a significant change in how we think about things. And again, where the win-win comes in for women that are out there who want to accelerate their career, want to continue to rise, maybe even want to change tracks and go in a different direction, there's never been a better time than now because companies recognize the value we bring to the table at every level. And that means that if you're a woman, you're working in a company now, your company will do anything to keep you and help you grow. Likewise, another company will do anything to get you. And that's called leverage. And for women as individuals, as they're driving their career, understanding that leverage and then using it to their advantage is a significant win on that side. On the other side, and, and this plays, again, it's truly a win-win. On the other side, companies, again, nobody has to sell a company and leaders in a company that the more diverse you are, the better your outcomes are. You know, even Harvard Business Review this past Monday released a research paper and it was i think the title is women in the c-suite is changing how companies think and really what they get into in that article having that diversity and for many reasons and they it's about a seven minute read they talk about the innovation the creativity that's brought to a team when you've got more women seated around the table 
you know, and that's just one article, research article released this week. If anybody, if any of your listeners, I mean, just Google it. I think everybody knows and recognizes it. articles by Harvard, by McKinsey, all saying the same thing and have been saying the same thing. Now, why now? The moment now, though, one thing that COVID, you know, if we talk about any kind of bright spots out there, we talk about the future of work. And the future of work, while we would have eventually gotten there, is here. It's now. Huge companies, massive companies are closing their brick and mortar shops. They're telling thousands and in some cases, tens of thousands of people, you're remote and we're staying this way. Without going into too much detail, they're finding their performance is still where it was, maybe in better in some cases. And they can certainly save a lot of operating expense by closing some of these huge buildings. And that's going to continue. A lot of researchers out there are predicting that that is going to be the future more so than it is now. So the future of work has arrived. And why does that matter here? For companies that have been trying to attract women into leadership positions, manager positions, all, all throughout, increase diversity in more male-dominated fields like some of the STEM fields, what this opportunity is offering is that whether companies realize it or not, it's hard to cast a big net. Oftentimes, women are the primary caregivers. They've got kids in school. They're trying to juggle, you know, seven to three hour school day around a nine to five office work day. And the two have been stitched together roughly. And for many women, this meant holding themselves back in some cases about what position they wanted to go for, worried that if they went into a higher position, they wouldn't be able to fulfill all the requirements because of just the just the sheer logistics of getting between one place and another in time to manage family and work. And that has been blown off the map for, for so many fields that we're all in. And now if you think about what that means, that means, again, back to the win-win, women no longer have to, are limited in many regards to look for jobs that are within a 15-mile commute or 25-mile commute that allow, you know, women have been trying to be in two places at once for the entire time we've been in the workforce. And with the future of work being here and largely remote workforce in place now as a result of this pandemic and will grow, this provides women the opportunity to apply for positions, higher level positions in so many areas because you're no longer restricted to your zip code. You can apply for a VP position in Los Angeles if you live in Boston. And for companies, they should really be thinking about as they're recruiting opening the net as well. If they're, you know, a lot of companies, I was one of them as a, a leader of large organizations that are predominantly male, trying to create a diverse workforce. I always struggled with that as well, because again, we were thinking we all needed to be in the office. We all needed to be on the ground. And that creates a very small pool of individuals. And you're talking about a male dominated field. You're talking about IT and trying to find women senior leaders in 
this zip code. Very limited. We don't have to think like that anymore. We really have to work with our HR partners and our companies. We have to really change the way we're thinking about looking for talent. And for women out there, they need to change the way they think about looking for their next opportunity. And that's where Ascentia comes in. Certainly, we're trying to tie both sides. We're partnering with women about how to drive your career in this this future world that's here today and drive it to your advantage because there are a lot of wins out there for you. And we are also partnering with companies to, to kind of close that loop, to help them find that talent. And if they already have the talent or if they're getting new talent, providing the coaching opportunities so that they retain that talent and grow that talent. I love that you uh, remind us all that the future of work is now. I was just uh, commenting on how we've accelerated our technologies. You'd appreciate this as a technologist. 10 years with one of my guests from the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago with Voiceify, how here we are, boom, technologies have been accelerated 10 years. And I might argue that perhaps our future of work has just been accelerated. And organizations now at this time are trying to figure out what to do with this new experience that they have just gone through in the last year. Because even as you shared, there can be some companies that may have been working in a flexible virtual environment before, but there are plenty of others who were certainly thrust into it and perhaps were surprised that productivity stayed the same or even increased in some cases. So that really presents a different dialogue, not only for women specifically, but for men and women um, in terms of being able to accommodate a more flexible lifestyle so that someone that perhaps is in an environment where Maybe now the the male in the family can take a, a more significant role if there's a, a member a, another member in the family or or a partner in the family can can take a more front forward role with other obligations that um, provide women a, an opportunity to explore career paths they may not have in the past. So I think from all the conversations I'm having with senior leaders and organizations small and large, everybody is thinking about, uh, what does this mean for our norm, quote unquote, going forward? And if they aren't thinking about leveraging this experience to give them a springboard to reach out to a more diverse talent space, they're they're going to be sorely left behind. They will not survive because there's an expectation now from the workforce that there is the ability to be successful and have flexibility at the same time. So it's sort of an imperative that I think companies factor in this ability to have some kind of flexibility to tap into the talent, especially women. While there's no denying that COVID has caused great loss, both personally and professionally, physically, mentally, and financially for many people, Trish believes that now is the time. Now, when our perspectives and systems are shifting, we can implement new processes going forward that will help women and diversity in the workplace. Those that recognize that and make the right moves that are in sync with where we are today are, are going to be those that, as you say, are thriving. Exactly. And by the way, for our listeners, the HBR article that you pointed to, which we'll include in our show notes as well, 
the first line in that says, uh, research has shown that firms with more women in senior positions are more profitable, more socially responsible, and provide safer, higher quality customer experiences, among many other benefits. So if that isn't a plug for making sure that you are doing your due diligence around uh, diversifying your workforce for times of significant change when you need that talent to get through the next pandemic event. I couldn't agree more. And also, you know, again, being somebody who's worked really hard to try to create gender diverse teams, diverse teams all across the board. But, it, you know, I say gender diverse because IT is a very male dominated field, like is engineering and, you know, in other other areas. It's hard and it takes extra effort for a number of reasons, just because of the amount of people in the field and how they look for work or, you know, how often they're looking for work. There's tons of challenges, which could be a, another, an entirely different show. But I guess the message to your listeners who are in that space of, yeah, I need to do that. Recognizing how hard it is, is important. You know, partnering, I felt like I was successful in the past by making it a goal for myself and setting what the goal was going to be and then working with my HR partners to say, this is a goal. It's an, it's an imperative and we must drive to this. And even still, it's really hard. I felt like it was always a, I don't want to call it a battle because nobody was against it, but a climb. It was a constant climb and a constant scaling the wall and a constant stretch and reach to to drive toward that. And I think being strategic about where you look for talent is is key and thinking outside the box of how how to go about that is critical. And I, I always tell people that, you know, when you're thinking about you've got a position and, you know, if you've got a team of eight people and they're all men, because that's the way maybe you maybe you walked into that situation and you're high and you're opening a couple more positions on your leadership team and you think, you know, I need to create some diversity on my team. If you do the same thing and follow the same habit and put a resume or see, you know, you know, not a resume, a job rack out on monster in your same places, you're going to get the same results. And working strategically with your HR partner or your recruiter or even a company like Ascentia, you know, you need you need to work with somebody who knows where to go fishing. <laughs> so the thing I always tell people, if you want to catch a shark, you don't go fishing in a lake. Knowing where to go and then staying true to that will help you drive greater diversity when you think about your recruiting efforts. With Ascentia, Trish coaches women in their careers and I ask her how she coaches men with regards to creating a diverse workforce. I'm glad you asked that. When we think about the work we're doing with Ascentia or at Ascentia, there's multiple aspects of changing and driving to the mission. And one, it's coaching the women, as we said. Two, it's helping companies find the talent, the diverse talent. And once found, you know, retain and grow. And then there's a culture aspect to this, which we hadn't talked about, but 
So important. So important. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And it's significant. So here, I mean, here's the thing. There was an article in the LA Times several months back. I posted it somewhere and I can always send it to you if you want it. But it, it showed that Today, and it, while it was the LA Times, they had LA numbers, but then they had the whole US, the global numbers on there. So it's a really cool graph. Essentially, it shows that women are highly concentrated in the lowest paying fields and very small concentration in the highest paying fields. And it broke those fields out. And then you sit and you scratch your head and you're like, why? What is it? Right? Like, IT, engineering, any of the STEM fields, right? Really low representation. There's other graphs that show kind of the same problem, but across all fields, and it's a leveling thing. So women are highly concentrated in the lowest levels in all fields and small concentration of women represented in the highest levels of fields. Again, comes down to, right, where where the money is. And you kind of like, why is it like this? Why? And then there's further evidence that women, while they'll get degrees in some of the highest paying fields and they'll start out in those fields, they eventually leave and go into an adjacent lower paying field. You see this happening in cybersecurity right now as an example. A lot of women getting degrees, certificates and, and whatnot, then they land in the field and in a few years they leave and they maybe go into an adjacent, like maybe an auditing kind of thing or something that's lower paid and it's an adjacent. And I've been asked the question, Trish, why, why do you think that is? I mean, there's a long story I can share around this, but in short, when you've got a situation where you're kind of the one zebra among a herd of elephants, there are things that happen that sends signals to the zebra, you're not welcome here. And lots of companies are approaching this now, you know, through their DE&I initiatives and, and they're getting into the inclusivity part of all of that story is the talk we have to have. It's the culture talk. And when you are in a heavily male-dominated field and you've got a couple of women who've joined, things that are said or that are not said, these implicit biases that happen that honestly, the people sending these signals, honestly, honestly, in many cases, don't know they're sending a signal by saying something or not saying something, doing something or not doing something. But the people who are receiving those messages loud and clear, it's saying, you're not welcomed here, even though that's not the intent of what's being said or not said or done or not done. And this results in women leaving those fields or stepping into an adjacency or feeling not valued or feeling like they're not part of the team or or whatever. We can go on and on. And there's many, many examples of this. And I think I would say cognitive awareness needs to be created and you know it's more than hanging a poster up and saying we will be inclusive because if people don't know what they're doing what they're not doing we're going to continue to to struggle in this area so any advice you know it's hard here on this call to say what you should do what you shouldn't do this is something that again 
Ascentia wants to partner with companies or organizations and companies who really want to make strides in this area. Being in situations myself and watching situations, seeing situations play out where it's like, yeah, we just hired two engineers. Now we've got like four women in a 150 person team and everybody's high-fiving and feeling pretty good about this. And then three of those women resign and they leave. And it's like right back where you started. And everybody's like wondering why, why can't, why can't we maintain this? Why can't we improve our situation? Why is it so hard? And I do believe it's about the cognitive awareness in each person in that organization. Do they really understand what kind of signals they're sending or not sending that makes somebody feel welcome or not welcomed? I love that Trish brought up culture as an aspect in all of this. The environment, values, and attitude can really impact how women and others experience their workplace. I think that uh, companies don't always understand how impactful culture really is and how it actually incentivizes or demotivates um, your organization. And so it takes a lot of work to nurture a positive culture, but there is plenty of research that illustrates that those companies that do see tremendous results from their workforce, from their men and women in those situations. So just a point that it's so important and it takes work. So it's not something that's a, let's hire a couple of women and suddenly now we have diversity and we're, and we're feeling good about our culture. There's a lot of work behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a moment to pivot and ask Trish, what surprised her most during this past year? of great personal and professional change? I'll say pleasantly surprised. Just the ongoing resiliency of so many people. When you really sit back and think what the world has been through, is going through right now, and what it's going to take to recover fully and rebound, right, and then thrive, that resiliency, I'm every day so inspired by so many people around me that have shouldered through it. It's been truly remarkable to to witness. Indeed, I agree. I agree. Before we wrap up, Trish shares some final thoughts. We could choose to make tomorrow what we want it to be. Um, and while we could look at the dark side of what's happened, you know, again, I think people, you know, for the most part are looking at what's the good that can come out of this and key, you know, just continuing to think about that. And in this case, as we think about that opportunity, right, what opportunities we are at just in an extraordinary moment to hopefully make these changes of, you know, creating that diverse workforce, women accelerating, you know, and rising to what they've always hoped and wanted from their careers, companies winning on the front of what that diversity brings and and what it does for their customers and their businesses. So the way I think about it is this is our moment. It's now. Love that. Great, great perspective. And thank you so much, for all that you're doing and all that you will do and all that you have done for 
for the men and women out there that need you and need uh, more of people like you. So it's been a thrill to catch up with you today. And I'm so happy that you were willing to come and join me today on the podcast. So how might our listeners get a hold of you if they want to learn more? They can um, certainly go to the website. It's ascentia.com. I'm sure you'll have this in your notes. A-S-C-E-N-T-I-Y-A.com. And there's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us from that site. That's great. I forgot to ask you, is there a certain meaning behind the name? For I'm sure all of your listeners and those that have uh, created their own businesses, that's always a fun fun journey naming your company. <laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it is a made-up name in a way, right? Because if you try to use anything that's meaningful, you're not going to get the domain and you're not going to get the right to it. <laughs> yes. You know, we've all been there. So, yes. but, but the word ascent, um, you know, to rise and ascentia, you know, just the idea is that you rise. And mm. if you go to the website, ascentia, the the tagline is women on the rise. Yes. And so so that's that's really the genesis. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Trish and thank you everyone for listening and joining our episode of Survive and Thrive. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive.